Frank Gore Jr., Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and you listen to Fun Belt Podcast. 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 It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. Remember, it's daily news record. That's right. Got it. <laughs> now watch, you'll fuck it up. <laughs> I will. I'm going to totally fuck that up. <clears throat> you should start just doing it on purpose, and then it'll be like a joke running thing, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. when people ask, I go, oh, I, there's I, something I, different every time. Like that would be I love joke. the daily news record. I just screw it up just for Shane's ego. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Fun Belt Podcast. So much has happened in the last week. We've got to get to it. We've got some great interviews. We've got great analysis. We have penetrating insight. With me is, is Thibodeau. <laughs> Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report and Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Joining me, Jeremy Harper from HowRazor.com. Gentlemen, how are you guys this evening? Always great when I get to Don't see your shining faces on the Zoom <laughs> as we record another Fun Belt podcast. Yeah, and this time I'm not in my, my pajamas. I'm not in my house coat. So uh, you're treated to full Jeremy tonight. Shane's got a great haircut. None of you guys can see us, but if you could uh, see this haircut, it means business. It says, I'm a real reporter and these other guys are not. Yeah. If you saw me in Charlottesville last night, you saw the uh, debut of the haircut. <laughs> You were at the big Virginia uh, Virginia versus James Madison game. How was that? It was it was fun. It was good. Good atmosphere. Um, competitive game. It was yeah everything you could ask for. Yeah, yeah. Big crowd. Big. Uh, was there a big Duke's presence at the uh, at the Virginia house? It was scattered throughout. I mean, the campuses are only about an hour apart. Um, yeah, and. And, you know, a lot of JMU fans come from the Richmond area where they drive through Charlottesville to get to Harrisonburg anyway. So that game's leaving a little bit closer for a lot of JMU fans. Um, it was a good showing. I mean, it was by far – I think there was about 14,000 people there. I would guess probably 11,000 at least were <laughs> UVA fans. But, I mean, there were – there was purple scattered throughout. It should be it should be that way, right? I mean, come yeah. on, I mean, the Cavs should have their 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 fans. Let me ask you this now. I I, I feel like I know what Tibbs is going to say on this, but have you ever gone to a James Madison game and seen some clown wearing a Virginia Cavaliers hat or a shirt? Um, well, there were a few last year when Virginia played at James, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Or just any school that's not James Madison. How's about You've that? See it a little bit, but not not too much. It's in Virginia. It's not quite the same as some of you guys out there in SEC country, where there's like one <laughs> real dominant school that like kind of controls the whole state. Like for both of you guys, it's not as much like that in Virginia. Um, 
even, you know, school like JMU where they're sort of separated by mountains from a lot of the rest of the state, they kind of own the Shenandoah Valley. There's not a lot of people there, but they kind of like own their own territory more than, you know, some other peer schools. See, I like hearing that. Now at Arkansas State, we've done a really good job of shaming people from wearing other school stuff. I hardly ever see it anymore. But UALR, which is a team that used to be affiliated in basketball at the Sun Belt. James Madison, you guys just sort of like uh, of sh- just callously kicked them out. Uh, they're now part of some other conference. But if you go to a UA Little Rock game, and there, it's University of Arkansas at Little Rock, you see a lot of hog stuff. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. why? It just drives me crazy. Tibbs, when you go to ULM games, you don't see a bunch of LSU crap, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And you see a lot of purple and gold. You see some Arkansas. You see a little bit of state, a little bit of old miss, Grambling. I've even seen some Louisiana Tech stuff at ULM, which really was perplexing. And of course, not to be outdone, the high school gear. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Listen, uh, Shane, that's another question I have for you. Like me and Tibbs, we're creatures of the South, where high school football has some sort of Singali like hold on people. Like I was born up north and high school football has its place. We moved down to Arkansas and they have like a 20 minute news segment every Friday night on high school football. We were just flummoxed. How does this happen? Is that, is this the same in Virginia? Yeah. The, most of the local news stations will have a Friday night, like in zone edition or whatever, where they go go on for another 15, 20 minutes after the news ends. And yeah, they have that. It's, I wouldn't say high school football is as big here. I mean, especially in this part of Virginia as, you know, a lot of places in the South, but then you go out to like the Hampton roads area where old dominion is. Um, that's some of the best high school football in the country. There's tons of talent there. Um, you don't see just as much local talent like right here in, the western part of Virginia. Yeah. But but I mean people are into their high school teams. Before there was even a uh a ESPN game day in Arkansas, the game day version was the Channel 7 helicopter flying over to your game, landing on the field and having Channel 7 personalities there to interview people and and then like have footage of the game. That was like the original for me, college game days. Like it was, what is Channel 7 coming to our game? Oh my God, they're coming. They're finally here. They're in, in flip-flop Arkansas. But that doesn't happen in Louisiana, right, Tim? You guys are a lot more sophisticated. You've got like libraries to go to and poetry readings. And maybe- You ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights? I know that's based in Texas, but for a lot of towns, especially in Northeastern Louisiana, it is very true. You look at- Oak Grove, where they're going to run kind of that old school Georgia Southern triple option, run it up the gut with some big corn fed uh, offensive linemen. That's their football, black uniform, black helmet. Mm -hmm. And I I can hear uh, Eric Richardson uh, of of Georgia Southern saying that instead of the, you know, our colors are are navy blue, it's our colors are black. And and, and that's the way we're going to leave you, black and blue. Let me tell you this. Now that I'm in Texas, do y'all have an $85 million turfed stadium that can hold around 35,000 people? Uh Uh-huh. No, we don't have very many of those. We don't don't have uh, college teams going to borrow the high schools 
indoor practice facility like they do at Texas State. Um, yeah, we don't have that around here. I mean, there, there are pockets where high school football is big. There are towns where it's big. But it's not just an overwhelming culture like in some places. Yeah, in, in Arkansas, I mean, it's like I grew up in a small town called Malvern. It's got about 10,000 people. They're the Malvern Leopards. And uh, I haven't been back to Malvern in a while. And, and, you know, every now and then I peek in on Facebook. And apparently Malvern did pretty good in the high school uh, championship games. Fell short. And th- there were classmates of mine devastated by this. <laughs> You're 49 years old. But you were yeah. once an All-American or honorable mention All-District performer. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. All right. But speaking of high school football and speaking of Texas State, big press conference today at Texas State announcing their new head coach. Thibodeau, I know you have the name right on the tip of your tongue. I know he's from Incarnate Word. He's a young guy. He's 35. 34. He's not even 35. Wow. That is a young guy. What's his name? GJ Kine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There was like rumors that. You know, maybe they were going to go hire a high school coach, which I thought was kind of interesting, considering they had such a a bad rep with uh, Texas high schools. But, you know, at the press conference today, they made it a point to say we are back recruiting high school kids out of Texas. You know, and Spavadol's whole thing was we're just going to get a bunch of uh, transfer guys. What do you think? Is that going to be the answer for Texas State? I mean, you you, you got to think that when you have a new guy leading your program that's already come out saying we're going to be high school. We're going to be high school. We're going to be high school. That that kind of lays the foundation to start repairing that damaged relationship that, that Spavadol really had. And I, I still don't think there was anything wrong with what Spavadol did. I think that he was a little bit before his time though, of really leveraging the portal to try to build that team. Because at the end of the day, sure. Uh, kind just signed a, a five-year contract. But we know the Heat's already on him. He's got to win next year. And and so he's probably going to be a portal guy, sign some JUCOs, and then also some high school to lay that foundation for the future. But in this win-now society, you've got to hit the portal. Yeah. I, I You know what? Um, what's funny is Arkansas State is really going deep in the high schools, trying to build it that traditional way, spam it all trying to what's trying to build that team in that newfangled way the same way South Alabama was building their basketball team at one time maybe just Spavadol just wasn't quite the guy for the team I don't know Spavadol bounced back I believe he's offensive coordinator somewhere I think he immediately got a job somewhere the golden bears of Cal that's right so good for for Jake Spavadol uh that's a pretty quick quick landing on his feet Shane I know somewhere in your neck of the woods that uh Coastal Carolina did not waste a second in their coaching search. Found their guy right away and a guy named Tim Beck. Yeah, no, I mean, it seems like they were prepared for for what was going to happen. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was a, a very quick hire there. Um, and, I mean, the rumor was out immediately that that was who they were targeting. And I think that was less than a day before they hired him, right? It was yeah. unbelievably fast. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't know much about Tim Beck, North Carolina State offensive coordinator, which I always think is a great uh, way for a Sunbelt team if they're looking for young talent to to find a, a new hot and coming offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or what have you. Tim Beck seems to fit that bill. Know nothing about him, Shane, 
But what'd you think of Jamie Chadwell leaving for, um, um, oh my God, where did he go? Liberty, Liberty. because oh, Jesus, Liberty. because God spoke directly to him and told him that $4 million a year was a great deal and that he needed to <laughs> Oh my God. Th- tell yeah. me he didn't say that. He didn't say that. No, he did not. Not okay. quite. But it was... <laughs> <laughs> he's got to though right because he's going, going to liberty and that's what hugh freeze probably said so yeah, yeah. no but i mean that was that was kind of crazy just in the fact that before coastal made the move up to fbs and to the sunbelt liberty and coastal were heated heated rivals that's they probably still consider that the most hated school so, so to oh, lose wow. their coach to yeah. liberty was a uh, was was a pretty big blow, I think. Even if they maybe ultimately hired somebody good, maybe they got exactly who they wanted to replace him. Just to see a coach go to Liberty was a huge blow for you know Coastal Carolina fans' psyche, especially after losing the last two games the way they did. Yeah, so I put out the the idea, Tibbs and Shane, that 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 money aside, you know, they've got all that that that, that collection plate money; they can spend whatever they want. Money aside, it's really a lateral, maybe even a sublateral move. That was my opinion. What do you guys think? I think it's definitely a downgrade from where he's at at Coastal. But I'll be the one to say it. He's out of the league now, so I don't have to deal with the ramifications. It's like he's running away from that rebuild, knowing Mm -hmm. that this upcoming year of Coastal was going to be a down year, much like this year we all said for Louisiana Lafayette was. And I feel like Chad Will's running away from having to prove himself on that rebuild of Coastal Carolina because now he kind of gets the get-out-of-jail-free card going to Liberty and say, well, Hugh Freeze didn't leave me any talent, so that's why we're not as good as what we have been here in the past as opposed to this is my team, this is what I built, and the cupboard's a little bare this year. Yeah, you know what, Dusty, and we all know that when the cupboard runs dry in a Sunbelt team, it is a hard rebuild. And I'm, I'm Shane, I, here's, here's something I've been floating around in my head. I want to know what you think. Is Appalachian State about to feel that rebuild? We'll see. I mean, they've got to find some new guys and some key positions. Uh, and they're recruiting, they're recruiting against people they haven't recruited against before. You know, now JMU is going after the same guys. Now mm-hmm. OU is going after the same guys. Sure. Um, you know, you got a North Carolina a guy who spent a lot of time in North Carolina now taking over Coastal. The recruiting battles are going to be a little bit different for them than it has been. And, you know, coming off the first kind of mediocre year in a long time, it'll be interesting to see, like, just how quickly they do manage to bounce back. Yeah. Not to mention the Mountaineers will be without Brady McBride after this year. Oh, no, they'll never recover. But they're also going to be without Chase Bryce. They're going to be without, I imagine, a a great deal. I I don't know if Peoples comes back. I need to look at their roster. Uh, I don't know if Noel comes back. But even with those guys, they seem to be having trouble. It's almost like Sean Clark is going to be like that guy that maybe waited a year too long before, you know, taking that big offer somewhere else. And we've seen that, Tips, we've seen that happen in the Sun Belt, Mark Hudspeth, is a perfect example of a guy who kind of waited too long uh, and, and overstayed his welcome in the Sun Belt. Boys, let me ask you this. Did you guys watch the Sun Belt Championship? It was a fantastic day. I mean, it wasn't bright <laughs> and shiny in, in Troy, Alabama, but it was a great day 
to watch the Troy Trojans just go to town and have their way with Coastal Carolina building up that 31 nothing lead. And it was 31-7 at the half. And that was with Grayson McCall. I thought that was the biggest thing yeah. is that when you saw him on the broadcast warming up, you were like, uh-oh, we didn't see this coming. You, 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 I told you about the, the Colton Browning when he drank the goat's blood or whatever to heal from a cracked sternum. Uh, I, I, I think Grayson reached out to Colton Browning, found out the secret, miraculously healed, came back, but it wasn't enough. All right. Do you remember the episode of Coach? Probably not. You, you're a young guy. Shane, how, how old are you? 42. Oh, fuck. <laughs> guys are too young. There, there was a show called Coach. Wait, wait. Yeah. Oh. Gather around, kids. Jeremy's going to tell us a story. <laughs> and it, it was about, you know, had Hayden. It was about a coach named Hayden Fox. And he coached something called Mrs. Um, uh, like, uh, uh, oh, gosh, Minnesota <laughs> State, I think it was. And uh, they were this down on their luck team and then finally you know as the seasons progressed you know the team got really good and they got into the pineapple bowl but their star quarterback gets hurt it looks like that's it for their chances to winning the pineapple bowl and so he's like in a wheel the quarterback is like in a wheelchair and stuff and and everybody's like oh man his career is over and then he gets on the sideline and the teams are lining up and getting ready to play and the quarterback bounces out of the wheelchair and says, I'm ready, coach. He runs in. That's how I felt about McCall. Like it was some sort of big ruse. I thought that's going to be the difference here, that McCall is going to just totally wipe out Troy just based on his shining star alone. And that didn't happen. Troy just seemed to come in with a mission. And I wonder if some of that was, well, we know Jamie Chadwell's leaving. And it really took a lot of air out of our sails. I couldn't have couldn't have helped to uh, have that coming out at the same time. I mean, because we saw Liberty too was mm-hmm. not playing well at the end of the year when it started being talking about they were going to lose their coach, and then you know, same situation for Coastal. And then also, I mean, we've talked about how Coastal kind of skated by so many of their wins where they should have been beating teams worse than they were. And then they run into some good teams at the end of the year and give up 75 straight points and, you know, get a little bit exposed on that defense. I mean, I think their confidence was shook a lot by that experience with with James Madison, sure. But, you know, it seems to me, yeah, you talked about Hugh Freeze and how Liberty just sort of mailed it in after it was apparent that he was going to leave for for Auburn. It's kind of funny when in 2012, when Gus Malzahn was coaching Arkansas State, there were rumors flying that last game. And it was a game that would determine who was going to win the Sun Belt between Middle Tennessee and Arkansas State. And even though there was rumors flowing, that team really got up for Middle Tennessee State, ended up winning 45-0. to zero. Middle Tennessee State never crossed the 50-yard line. It was almost like uh, Gus Malzahn was saying – Hey, look, Auburn, look what I'm going to do for your program. He was running the quarter, the quarterback we had, Ryan Applin. He had like a huge ankle injury, kept running him out there. <laughs> score some more points, score some more points. We don't care if it, if it kills you. And uh, so that's what surprises me now is that seeing these teams kind of quit on their coaches when they, when they see the writing on the wall. Uh, I, I guess I don't blame them. I mean, coaches are constantly telling their kids, stick with us, stick with us, don't transfer, be loyal. And then as soon as some big money comes, they go. Yeah, and I wonder, 
I'm, I'm guessing it makes a huge difference how each coach decides to handle it. If they're acting like they're not going anywhere until all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's clear they are like, yeah. or, you know, I mean, I know Deion Sanders is polarizing, but it seems like he was pretty <laughs> clear with his players. Hey, this is what's happening. This yeah. is what's going to happen after. And like, they seem to respond well to that. And here's what Deion Sanders, people are like really throwing him under the bus, talking about how he really betrayed the, the, the school and the, the players and stuff. I'm like, grow up, guys. I mean, uh, you didn't hire Deion Sanders to coach you for 20 years. In the words of Eddie Robinson Jr., you ain't swack, and they were right. <laughs> didn't the band do something like that? Didn't the band come out and, and say, we knew you ain't swack? I remember that he presented several jackets to guys. Uh, I think Michael Strahan, when he came to visit Jackson, gave him a you ain't swack uh, jacket. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I see both sides. I mean, look, it's a business. It's it's a better opportunity to go to Colorado. It's a it's a P five job. Uh, kudos to him. But at the same time, you look at someone like Eddie Robinson that was at Grambling for an eternity and never thought about leaving to go anywhere else. It was Grambling, or I'm just not going to coach. Yeah, it's kind of a lost uh, uh, deal to have coaches that stick around for that long. Yeah. You know, you, you think about some of those old, you know, those old guys for like Georgia Southern, for instance, their whole identity is wrapped up in uh, their old longtime coaches. I can't remember who's the who's the guy, the bald headed guy that. Urt. that yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, they love that guy. You know, then the, the legend guys. of they his, got a statue of him. Yeah, his legend is probably greater than his coaching ability. But um, but back to the game. I was just talking to Tibbs, Shane, before you got on. It wasn't a really good game. And I thought that was that was kind of too bad because, you know, you got this national audience uh, and you're looking at, you know, we were looking at Coastal as even though we know Jay, James Madison was truly the, the beast of the East, it was Coastal Carolina that was representing the East. They came in and didn't really show much against Troy, who really dominated it. It, it was almost kind of a boring game. Yeah, and the TV ratings showed it. I mean, I think it was the lowest rated championship game, and oh, uh, no. it, yeah, it was it was not it was not really a good situation for the conference in that regard. I mean, they were not in a great time slot going up against other games. People didn't know Grayson McCall, like you know, casual fans who might want to see this guy who's going to play in the NFL might have tuned in if they thought he was going to play. And then when you hear it's a blowout already in the late in the first quarter, you're not going to just like go turn it on. So I think that all kind of, all kind of came together to be a bad day as far as TV ratings go. And well, it did help that the, the big 12 game, I think it was the big 12. SEC game was going head to head. And then the big 12 right before went. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really hard to go head to head with the SEC. And And the big 12 game is coming down to overtime and the the Sunbelt game's over before it begins. It's, it's not a great situation as far as, you know, trying to, uh, score a big TV audience and then say, Hey, ESPN, look at this. In fact, I was kind of monitoring the Twitters at that time. And everybody was talking about the big 12 game. I'm like the SC, the Sunbelt games on, come on, you got to switch that on. But uh, I, I, I was disappointed that, that the teams could not put together a more entertaining, you know, I was, I was kind of hoping for a more entertaining game, but uh, congratulations to Troy. Congratulations to John Sumrall. Uh, congratulations to Gunnar Watson. I believe he was named the MVP of the game. Uh, that those were, uh, you know, especially Gunnar 
kind of under the radar in terms of of quarterbacks in the uh in the uh in the uh Sunbelt Conference. So uh also something we can talk about, Tibbs. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh all Sunbelt teams and and did they miss anybody? They did. Uh, I I think they they did a little bit. Um one of the things Gunnar Watson was MVP of the championship game. I mean, deservingly so, 318 yards, 12 of 17, three touchdowns. My my MVP of the game, though, DK Billingsley, only 57 yards on nine touches, but that dude was a hoss, and without his running plays, it didn't set up the passing plays. Oh, absolutely. uh, I think he scored, like, what, three touchdowns? Three TDs. Yeah, and those minimum number of, of, of carries and yards. Uh, that's pretty good, and, and and Troy had a very underrated run game this year. I think we talked a lot about Marshall's run game, talked a little bit about James Madison's run game. We didn't really talk about Troy's run game until the end of the year when Vidal kind of came up, and then Billingsley was always a guy there that you know was kind of doing his job. So uh, yeah, offensively, we never even thought about Troy. Troy was a defense team, and they put up forty-five. 48, whatever amount of points it was on Coastal, who doesn't have a bad defense. So so that makes Troy. Troy is the number one team in the Sun Belt. They squeaked in at, what, number 23 in the uh, college football playoff poll? Am I right about that, Tibbs? You usually know these things. 23. 23, right ahead of their bowl opponent, right? Um, UTSA? Yeah, yeah, which is good. Is Did Troy, Shane, did Troy get the shaft? Uh, in terms of, or, or did the Sun Belt in general get the shaft this year on uh, on, on poll rankings? I think to some degree. I don't. I don't know that they were ever going to be at the top and get that Cotton Bowl and get that Cotton Bowl bid. But the fact that they just never showed up in the playoff polls until the last week just didn't really make any sense that they weren't at least in the conversation and ready to kind of pounce. If, if Tulane had faltered in their championship game or something, I still don't know if they would have put Troy up there or not. I think the only way a Sunbelt team would have been in that conversation this year is if it would have been App State having beaten a top 10 Texas A&M team at the time or Marshall that beat a top 10 team in Notre Dame. Other than those two teams, I just don't see where a Sunbelt team would have been in that playoff com- uh, conversation. And then I, those two teams would have had to run the table. Yeah, I wonder if that <laughs> – I guess that really hurt the whole conference to see uh, Marshall and Appalachian State dominate those two top ten teams only to really stagger and stumble for the rest of the season. I, I wonder if voters saw that and was just like, oh, that must have been a big fluke. I looked at it as the Sun Belt is actually a very, very competitive football league, and we got yeah. punished simply because we were eating each other. It does but, seem like like the playoff committee sort of just decides which group of five league is it this year, and then they go with that one. It's very lazy, Shane. I mean, they don't really ever like seem to adjust by what's happening week to week. And, and I said this last week, too. South Alabama, if they just kick the field goal and beat UCLA, 
then that's the signature win in the West. And then Troy beating the South Alabama team that would have been ranked yep. gets more credit for their 10 and two record. Uh, absolutely. And then also look back at James Madison, the, the one program from the Sun Belt that got, you know, some sort of recognition earlier in the season lays an egg against who was the team you guys laid an egg? Was it, it wasn't OBU. Uh, Georgia Southern after they, they started five and oh went to Georgia Southern and lost and fell out of the rankings. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm I'm sure James Madison fans are kicking themselves a little bit about that. That three game uh, losing streak that I guess Centeo was hurt for a lot of that. Am I correct? He so, was. Yeah. And so you know, it was kind of a shame to see JMU just totally dominate the group of five discussion. Uh, especially from the Sun Belt, and then have that period where mm-hmm. it was just a uh, unfortunate timing. But uh, yeah, for the most, you know, Tibbs, I, I kind of put it out there on the Twitters. Is there such thing as divisional pride? Because uh, we had been told for so long how dominant uh, the Sun Belt East was, and once again, it's the Sun Belt West that comes away with the title. Am I right to feel proud, or am I just sort of sad and vindictive? And 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 petty. We got to live vicariously through our divisional <laughs> brethren that are succeeding at our expense. Oh my God! Because I'm a citizen of the Red Wolves and you're a citizen of the Warhawks. This is the only way we can feel like we've won. Look, <laughs> I I got a shout out, and so did the podcast by Kef Tardello on Win Now or Get Bent, talking about uh, when when Khan came up from. Increment word, there's a their athletic director is a former assistant at ULM. And they were talking about just kind of how the budgeting works and things like that. And the increment word had a huge, a bigger budget than ULM. Oh. And I, of course, got the shot out of I don't know how you do it. I don't know why you do it. Just keep doing it. <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, congratulations. You know, um to have that distinction, Tibbs, to be the guy that just is poor and, and and holds his head high. You you know what? You've got quiet dignity. That's what you have, Tibbs. Congratulations. And a bad liver. <laughs> uh, so, you know, all right. Uh, moving on from football, if you guys are ready to move on from football. I thought you wanted to talk awards. And, and, and oh. now it's three-time player of the year, Grayson McCall. <laughs> yeah. And that's a little strange. Not strange. I mean, he was injured for a chunk of the season. Uh, I think some of that was a lifetime achievement award. I, I think it was a, a tip of the cap for thanks what you've done because because his playing in Coastal Carolina, especially since 2020, the COVID year, they really helped propel the Sun Belt into mm-hmm. the national spotlight. And it's so, funny that you should mention that, Tibbs, because somebody from the Twitterverse suggested that everybody in the Sun Belt retire his number 10. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. And, 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 you know, the goal should be that every game, I forget what the difference was there of, of their Brigham Young uh, game, but that should be like the goal of what everyone wants their games to be. I think it was like 22-17 or something like that. that yeah, it was remember like the, the game. tip of the cat. Remember the game, you know, it was, what was it? Somebody canceled from BYU and somebody canceled from Coastal Carolina and they kind of got on the phone and and arranged for a game and they played the game and kudos to both teams. 
BYU had everything to lose. I think they were ranked at the time, right? Yes, they were. Uh, mm-hmm. Lost to, to a very good Coastal Carolina team. I think everybody was grateful to BYU, even though they're kind of punks. And then, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. They were kind of punks. And uh, it was it was a great game. And, yes, uh, when I saw that on the Twitters, I kind of I laughed and put it out and said, look at this. And I, I understand the pride in Grayson McCall. Shane, do you think Grayson McCall was the Sunbelt Player of the Year? I would. I mean, I guess we all we talked about it the week before. We all voted for yeah. Ao. It was close. I mean, their stats were pretty similar. Um, you know, we didn't get. I wrote this after the JMU Coastal game. It was a shame we didn't get to see those two guys go head to head and kind of duke it out for not only first place in the division, but who is the quarterback in this division? Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been fun to see that back and forth. It really would have. It would have. It was a, a missed opportunity for the Sun Belt for sure. Damn the injuries. Uh, who was the offensive player of the year, though? It was Santeo. It was Santeo. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Marshall on defense. Newcomer of the year was Todd Santeo. Freshman of the year, Jared Brown of Coastal Carolina. And John Summerall, coach of the year. Yeah, I think we all agreed that Summerall was going to be the coach of the year. I don't know if we all agree that he should be the coach of the year, but we all agreed it was going to be John Summerall. I thought he was coach of the year. I'm okay with it. And and even yeah. when I got my Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year award ballot, I voted him number one in, in hopes of propelling the Sun Belt up. And I think I voted a trailer from UTSA number two, just trying to keep it inside the G5 family. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. It's, it, it would, you know, one thing about national awards, I saw that uh, uh, Carlton Marshall was up for a Bullsworth, Burlesworth, Burlesworth. Got robbed again. Yeah, I, you know what? It's it's kind of I, I kind of see it. I know that that Stetson, whatever his name is from Georgia, he has a good story, a walk on or whatever. But I, I mean, he arrived two hours before the award show. Uh, the other guys were there like uh, two days before they participated in events. He did not give a shit. You know, he did. This is not an award that he needed, and you get a guy like Carl Marshall, who really what is? I think he's five eight. You know, he, he's an undersized guy who 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 worked himself in the lineup and became the leading what the most prolific tackler in NCAA history. Am I correct? I think you're right. I don't NCAA. think anybody has more tackles than him. NCAA record for total tackles. So, uh, one you know, these national awards just drive me nuts. Because it's really an excuse for them to, you know, hobnob with some of these star players. It never seems to me that the right players get recognized. But that's here or there. You know, that's me being bitter about the G5. Uh, and that's fine. But uh, did did the Sun Belt miss anybody from the first or second teams that you thought should have been there? I think you could have made an argument that uh, Webb from South Alabama maybe was second teamer with Frank Gore Jr. getting the bump up to the first team. I mean, he did go over a 1,000 yards for the season. Other than that, I, I feel like it kind of stood out. I, I would have probably also put Thompson Taylor as a first-teamer, Grace McCall a second-teamer. Maybe I'm a little biased, but Tyrone Howell was a true playmaker difference and was a first-team receiver instead of a second-team. Uh, Levi Bell – first-team defensive lineman to the second team at Texas State. 
but for the most part, I feel like it was it was a pretty fair, pretty even uh, summary of how the season went. Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job, and that's a tough job, especially when you have fourteen teams now. You know, back when we were down to ten, yeah, it seemed like everybody can get some representation on the first or second team. Now you've got a you know, you've got so many to choose from. I, I thought it worked out really well. Shane, did, any, did you see anybody you thought was snubbed? Nobody that looked, you know, terribly egregious to me. I thought, you know, I honestly thought it was pretty, pretty well done. I don't, I don't even know who exactly votes on it, but I, I didn't yeah. see anything that like who really does jumped vote? out to me. Tibbs, you know, who votes on this? Uh, I think it's the SIDs. Really? The SIDs. I think so. Okay. That's really cool. All right. Yeah. I, I, I thought there was just some sort of clandestine black cloaked. I, I, I stay corrected. It is voted upon by the conference's 14 head coaches and select media representatives. And I was oh. not a select media representative. Neither was I. So instead of coaches, though, it's the SIDs. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was still right. <laughs> Hey SID, can you do this for me? I, I don't, I don't really have the bandwidth to do it. Just put our guys at first. <laughs> All right, so heading into basketball, guys, uh, we were talking a little bit about that Virginia game, which was exciting. Was it five points? Yeah, it ended up being a five point game. What was, was the spread? Eleven, I think. Yeah, yeah, I ended up winning some money. Thank you. Uh, uh, I, I believed in JMU. I got a little bit of money out of that. So thanks. Thanks very much. But, I know uh, Sunday was a rough day where the Sun Belt didn't win a damn game. Oh my Rice God. beat Texas State. Somebody, uh, I mean, no Sun Belt team won on Sunday. Man, what's what's going on with Sunday? Maybe, you know what? Everybody, yeah, I mean, everybody went to church, got full on uh, at brunch, was, weren't ready to play some basketball. So I was actually in Conway, Arkansas yesterday while you were at the at, uh, at Virginia. Uh, Shane, I was in Conway, Arkansas, which, by the way, is the home of Scotty Pippen, the Scotty Pippen floor. Oh, is that Conway? Home uh, of the Sugar Bears. They call the girls the Sugar Bears. I, I don't understand that. But it's I call just, everybody it's, the Sugar Bears there. The Bears. Yeah. The Purple Bears. They've got a really awful color scheme. It's it's gray and purple. It's really hard to look at. Uh, but uh, the first half I enjoyed. It was Arkansas State pretty much cruising, and then the wheels fell apart. And uh, yeah, I came away pretty frustrated. I came away pretty angry. So hadn't been beaten by UCA in basketball since uh, the fifties. So it's going to be another long year. Were you at that game too, Jeremy? <laughs> Why am I the oldest guy on this? I, I I feel like I'm the hippest guy in our group, and yet I'm yeah. the oldest. Guy. So, I would not have guessed. I'm careful. I'm, wearing, I'm, I'm wearing a vest, <laughs> so that makes me cool. I got a pair behind me, so it's great. Yeah. So anyway, uh, pretty rough time for Arkansas State. How's how are the Warhawks doing? Yeah. So the other birds, the Golden Eagles. The last undefeated Sunbelt <laughs> Conference team finally fell to the Demons of when Northwestern did this State. When did this happen? I don't know. Sometime this week. Okay, because uh, it was yeah. a last second shot. South uh, Southern Miss picked to finish thirteenth by the Sunbelt. 
had the who was, best. Who was 14th, Jeremy? I'll let you go ahead and answer that one. Oh, that would be ULM. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> With Arkansas State, I'm far behind. Don't, don't give it That wrong. pick's looking a little more accurate right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it was a surprise. We have to all admit that that's a big surprise that Southern Miss it had, it came in with the best net. for Net came out December 4th or 5th, the first net of the year. Four programs, uh, sub 100. I think JMU is in there. Louisiana is in there. Southern Miss is in there. Big surprise. And I, 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 I think Marshall. Marshall is the is the fourth team. So you got four sub 100 teams in there. That's always good. I always once you hit conference play, it all always starts creeping back up. But uh, congratulations to those programs. Southern Miss, I don't think has played a lot of really great teams. Losing to the Deacons probably hurts a lot. Uh, demons, get it the right. Demons, sorry, I don't know. I don't know anything about these guys, but uh, yeah. So I guess that even though James Madison loses to Virginia, I suspect that actually helps their net the way that net is formatted. They, I don't know exactly when it changed. They dropped from thirty nine to forty four today. Okay. I think that probably had more to do with some other teams playing games and moving up than it did. JMU dropping from that game, but yeah, two two teams in the top fifty right now in the Sun Belt, which is which is good. I mean, if you can if you can keep those four teams in the top one hundred and they get to play each other in conference play, yeah. definitely helps. I mean, just bear in mind, Shane, that I, I I really followed Net last year. I was really into that just to see what Sunbelt teams are doing. And actually Arkansas State did pretty well last year because they they did pretty well out of conference. Now they weren't, weren't playing any great teams, but they were sub 100. And then as the season went on, it was like, oh my God. And we couldn't get anybody uh, at sub 100. So things are just kind of in a, I, I hope that in basketball, things are getting into a better place. I love that JMU is doing really well. I love that uh, Marshall is doing really well. Uh, I'm a little surprised ODU isn't because I always think of ODU as this basketball powerhouse, but I guess we'll we'll have to see. Uh, this point in the season, Shane, I feel like Sh- Shane and Tibbs, you guys are the basketball gurus. Who do you seeing that is rising to the top in the Sun Belt? I I like JMU right now. I think yeah, they're great. They're, they're talented. They're deep. Um, and if you look, you know, we're talking a lot about net, but if you look at all of the <laughs> different metrics, whether you're talking about like uh, BPI on ESPN, Ken Palm, they all have JMU in that top 80. Um, and I think they're pretty, I think that's pretty accurate probably where they're at right now. Um, but Southern Miss, I mean, you said they didn't have like great wins. They won at Vanderbilt. I mean, that's potentially be that. a pretty good win. Yeah. Uh, assuming Jerry Stackhouse doesn't get, Ejected from too many more games. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's going to be a good win for them. Um, I just think, especially when people didn't think that the four teams that joined the league were going to boost basketball that much because they were all down yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. But Southern Miss, JMU, Marshall, all added some pieces. Marshall, JMU, they got over some injuries. And they're all back to kind of what they were expected to be a couple of years ago and really have kind of like increased the depth of the conference with those additions. 
and we needed to have our profile elevated and and, and that that that's been really good for the Sun Belt. Uh Tibbs, I think I know who you're going to say is the team that's caught your eye. I think I know. And, and I just want you to say who it is. But I I'm, I I pretty much know who it's going to be. Viva. What? Viva La Bobcat. No, Bobcat. Yes. No, the I like this Texas State team. They've played a lot of tough games, a lot okay. of tough road games that right. are going to set them up <laughs> to three-peat trademark Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. In the Sun Belt Conference, I truly believe that. I mean, they have gone out, kicked off the season at Washington State, took their lumps, but able to pick up wins at Cal against Southern Utah, a NCAA tournament team. Beat Lamar, a team that has shown that they're pretty good in the Southland. I don't know what the hell happened this past weekend when they lost to Rice. But I feel like overall they've shown that Caleb Asbury leaving is not the death of Bobcat basketball and that they are going to make another run. All right, I'm going to throw out a team that I think is – That you thought I was going to say. I thought you were going to say because I know you love the head coach. And I love the head coach. I am totally on board with this guy. Troy Trojans. Played close – with number 11, Arkansas, played I, very close to number 22, San Diego State. Both games are on the road. Yes, they have lost three straight, but Scott Cross has got this team playing. They had those hogs worried. <laughs> they thought they were going to lose that game. And I was watching a little bit of that San Diego State game, and I thought they were going to win out on San Diego State too. Troy is a good basketball team. They are a good team. I'll okay. give you that. Not Bobcat material? I don't know. I, I, I feel like they've kind of peaked a valley. I mean, they obviously got that big Florida State win early on. Yeah. Gave Arkansas the good scare there. Had Suey on the ropes as well. What is that? Southern Illinois at Evansville. Yeah. Uh-huh. San Diego State on the ropes. But they just haven't been able to show that second half where they can close that close game out. And so until they can do that, which they're running out of time before the conference begins here on December 29th, and until they show that they can close out that game late in the second half, I just can't pick Troy right now. All right, all right fair enough. But I'm telling you, they're going to win the Sun Belt, and they're going to beat JMU. They're going to beat Marshall. They're going to beat Texas State. Troy's, Troy is my new South Alabama. You just jinxed <laughs> them. South I Cross. did. Scott Cross will no longer be on the show because of you. You know what? If Scott Cross wants to call me direct. That's fine. We can talk about it. But uh, but that's just how I feel. You know, I, I don't pull my punches, Tibbs. I know that you have all this political stuff in your life where you have to be careful around SIDs and ADs and all these people. I don't I don't have to. I know that, you know, like Melton. Uh, Metlin is is Melton. Metlin is 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 bound by the the strict laws of journalism and has to have all these sources and shit. I don't have to have that, okay? And I'm telling you, Troy is going to win the Sun Belt. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I mean, yeah, they played. <laughs> I was going to mention that you know the Sun Belt was pretty close to getting two big wins this week with Troy. And JMU, if that if they could have pulled those off, that would have been a big, a big boost to the reputation. If uh, 
either one or both could have pulled that off. But and if Arkansas State quite. could have pulled that win against UCA off, <laughs> that would have been icing on the cake. Uh-huh. All the talk of football, though, we had fall ball and getting ready to have the Sun Belt Conference as the premier G5. Although I guess there's no really G5 in baseball. But Southern Miss comes in. Head coach Scott Berry joins us. Welcome in, Coach. We're excited to have the Golden Eagles in the Sunbelt Conference. Well, thank you, Dusty. We are, too. We feel like it's a great move on our athletic department, our fan base, and school as a whole. Uh, you know, Conference USA, we've been in that, that league for a long time. But this is a new breath of fresh air with, with, a, with a conference that – Having gone through my first head coaches meeting in, in New Orleans back in August, I can see that there is a real investment in, in this conference and a, and a willing to be one of the top conferences in the, in the country. Focusing on your program, though, I mean, if there was a Mount Rushmore baseball, I think there would be Ron Polk, Corky Palmer. And I, I think, Coach, you're making a name to, to have that, that third spot up there on the Mount Rushmore there in Mississippi baseball. What's in the water there that makes – Southern Miss, such a great baseball program. Well, you know, Dusty, I get that asked a lot. What does make Southern Miss successful? And, you know, the thing I will tell you, I feel like, is that the consistency of the head coaches. There's only been four head coaches in the last 63 years. And when you have that, you don't have a lot of turnover. Your learning curve is is, is not uh, hampered by – new coaches coming in and you're having to new, learn a new philosophy, you can really lean on your student athletes as student, uh, as players coaches, in all honesty. When you find a system that works, it just kind of keeps feeding itself from year to year. And that's exactly what we've been able to do, starting from the top with, with the head coaches. And, and with that, we haven't lost a lot of assistant coaches. So, that learning curve is not hampered year in, year out. It's, it's, it, it, it has stayed consistent, and it's really, really uh, uh, benefited from the student-athlete really helping each other. Last year, another NCAA regional appearance, and it was there at home. Tell me about that atmosphere and kind of what the fans bring when it's especially in the postseason, let alone the regular season. Well, total electric. You know, in 21, we uh, we went to the championship game in that regional in Oxford against Ole Miss, took them to the final game, uh, lost out uh, with that. And that momentum never stopped, and we brought it right back to Hattiesburg in 2022 last year. We took the season ticket record, which had been at 18, uh, 1,800 uh, in, in 21, we blew that away last year by, by 1,000. We went to 2,800 in season ticket sales already to date as we, you and I speak right now. We're at 2,900 as, as we still have a lot of time before February 17th gets here. So, you know, it was electric, you know, all year last year. I mean, we were able to put together a great product on our field. Our guys were able to entertain our fans by winning giving them fun baseball and an atmosphere that people enjoyed to come. Obviously we've done some facility improvements that, that in, enhance the, uh, the game day experience uh, with, with our new synthetic grass field. Uh, you know, it gives a look every day in the same, and that's like a game ready field. Rain doesn't bother us anymore. 
Uh, you know, the only thing that can hamper us playing is lightning. We wait it out and we get out there and play. But in April, we we were able to cut the ribbon on an $800,000 video board that has enabled us to really enhance that fan day experience. And so a lot of great things happened in 22, not to mention a regional championship against the LSU, uh, a tough regional, and then obviously the ability for us to host our first super regional which we lost to the eventual national champion Ole Miss, hottest team in baseball, and they continued that when they left Hattiesburg and went to Omaha. A lot of people circled that Ole Miss team saying maybe they deserved to be in, maybe they didn't. They probably bumped out Old Dominion, one of your old conference mates still holding on to them there into the Sun Belt. When, when these new teams come in, Marshall, yourself, Old Dominion, James Madison, what do they kind of bring to the table for, for people that may not know much about them? Well, I can tell you for ourselves in Old Dominion, you know, two years ago, we were uh, we were four teams of – we were two of four teams that, that made a regional. Old Dominion should have hosted a regional in 21. Their athletic department didn't bid for a regional. They actually went as a number one seed to South Carolina in that regional. Otherwise, they should have hosted. But we had four teams that year in the top 25, and Old Dominion ourselves – or two of those teams out of Conference USA. Uh, an established program, got a great history there, not only in Conference USA, but the leagues they were in before. Chris Finnegan does a great job uh, with, with that at the helm of Old Dominion. He's always going to put a, a competitive team on the field. Marshall, you know, we'll see. They're going to be under new leadership this year. Uh, they've made an adjustment a couple of years ago in their coaching staff. So, It'll be interesting who they hire. They're making an investment in facilities. Right now, they're on schedule to, to break ground for a new $22 million facility, which is much needed. And, and in all honesty, is a great thing for the Sunbelt Conference and uh, in, in moving forward and trying to make our conference one of the top five in the country. Last year, your team's second overall in ERA in the NCAA, a big part of that, Tanner Hall. What does he bring to the table as he returns for his junior season, as well as what are some other names that we can look forward to hearing? Well, Tanner Hall just brings that that ability that your team knows you have a chance to win when he takes the mound. Not only does he have tremendous pitch ability with his stuff, uh, the pitches that he has, but he has great makeup, great presence on the mound. Uh, he's your true Friday night starter. We saw that last year as a sophomore. He, he cleaned up midweek games, all important midweek games prior to conference against Mississippi State and, and all the big teams that we play midweek that are very, very important. But when we got to conference in that fifth weekend, certainly we knew what we were going to do, and that was to move him to Friday night. And he brings that. He brings that ability that everybody knows you have a chance to win behind him. Other names that you're going to see, probably on the weekend is Nico Mazza. Didn't have a lot of time last year, honestly. I think he only had five innings. But a young man that's a mid-90s, really good breaking ball, has a great presence on the mound, definitely has starter capability. And then Matt Adams, a young man that's I think enters his fourth year. Honestly, COVID still has me messed up on what, what grade these guys are in. I know he was draft eligible last year, uh, turned down an opportunity, wasn't drafted, but was approached about signing. He said he didn't want to. He returns and will be one of our starters and probably on the weekend. Gave us a real shot in the arm last year late. Started some games down the stretch that were real meaningful games. 
big RPI games that really kept us where we needed to be in contention for regional hosts and, and regional consideration. Coming out of the gate, you got some uh, tough games, right? Already in February, you'll host Illinois, Mississippi State, host Dallas Baptist, and then you go to Oxford to face the national champion. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know who does the schedule other than me, <laughs> I confess, but it's a tough schedule, but you know, we don't schedule like honestly, Dusty. I mean, I, I've been at, at this now for a long time. I understand the resume that you have to put together. You can't, you can't dodge it. You can't, you know, just look at wins. You have to have meaningful wins. You have to play opponents that are going to have good RPIs. We open up this season with, with Liberty, uh, they have an outstanding program. Uh, they're a regional team last year. We host them. We have Illinois at home, who Danny Hartlip's got a great team up there out of the, out of the uh, Big Ten. We've got uh, Dallas Baptist, who last year we went to them. They're on a return to us. They swept us out there last year. So certainly uh, one, of the, one of the premier programs. Us and themselves were the only two teams going into – this year that had six or five consecutive 40 plus win seasons, but they, they missed it just by a couple of games last year. So now Southern Miss is the only lone program for six consecutive seasons that has 40 plus wins, but Dallas Baptist is right there. Uh, they'll be moving into conference USA uh, kind of taking the void of those that, that left, but we host them, and then we have Valparaiso, and that'll end our, our non-conference schedule for the first four weekends. And then a brutal conference schedule, first three out of four conference schedules on the road, including at Old Dominion and at Troy. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we open up conference play at Texas State, obviously another great regional team last year, uh, you know, a program that, that has, has been very successful and is going to be a real challenge that first weekend in conference when we, when we open a Sunbelt play. When the athletic director came to you last year and, and said, hey, what are your thoughts about the Sunbelt? Was it kind of a generic talk or was it like, what are your thoughts about joining the Sunbelt? Well, fortunately, I have an athletic director that played college baseball. He was, uh, he was two, two wins shy of tying the all-time winningest pitcher in NCAA history, and that was at the Division II level. Jeremy played at Delta State, uh, a Division II powerhouse, but uh, you know I think he had 52 wins in his career over four years. He understands baseball. He's a coach's AD, uh, but yes, he did. He, he asked me what I thought, and I thought it was gonna be a great move for us not only for us baseball-wise, but for our athletic department as a whole. Last question for you, Coach. Baseball, it's the only sport where the coaches wear the uniform. Are, are you going to be the guy that breaks the tradition and, and breaks out the suit and tie in the dugout? <laughs> I don't even hardly own a suit and tie. Uh, no, I'm not a tie guy at all, uh, I guess funerals and weddings, I'll, I'll tie up. But outside of that, I'm a traditionalist. I'm going to wear a uniform regardless. Um, and, and that's what I've been doing for 39 years at this level. So been very blessed, um, uh, Dusty, in, in, in my career and what I've been able to do and the, and the lives that, that have, uh, have crossed with me and, 
man, I'll tell you what, what a great sport and, and, and one that's all about hard work. Um, you know, if you want to get it done, most of the time you got to do it yourself, but you know, that's the way we cut our teeth a long time ago in this business. And that's the way we still do it. But very proud of college baseball and, and where it is right now in the landscape of college athletics. Obviously, it's at its peak in, in national attention and, and fan interest. You can see it in venues all across the country investing in, in, in building bigger and better parks for people to come to. So it's been really neat to watch how, how everything has, has moved in that direction. Coach, looking forward to catching up with you at the Pete as well as maybe on the road for a series game or two. Thank you, as always, for joining us on Fun Belt Podcast. Well, you are always welcome. Thank you. You know, guys, that interview, I wish that I could get away from having to wear a suit <laughs> and, and, and just getting to wear the pinstripes, some cleats, maybe some turf shoes and a hat. Dude, that would be awesome to have. To, you just get to wear the uniform. You know, here's the thing. We always kind of joke about, well, basketball coaches should have to wear the shorts and the tank top and be out there with this team. But I think the football coaches should be have to be out there with the, the <laughs> pants and the shoulder pads and the eye black. And, like, they're going to run out there at any moment, too, and maybe make a tackle. I wish that basketball coaches went back to wearing suits and less of the polo shirts and stuff. I, I just feel like you can tell a lot about the coaches by how they decided to dress. Like, you know, if it was the guy in the three piece pinstripe or if it was just, you know, somebody who threw on a wrinkled jacket or whatever, like you, you could tell a lot about coaches when they had to wear suits, not just polo shirts, I think. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 but sometimes those basketball coaches, they, those guys get sweaty. You know they're they're indoors. They're running all over the place. Those what the, the, their suits get out of whack. Those look bad. But I will tell you this. I tell you, I I, I feel like ULM's uh, Terry Bowden. That guy's a snappy dresser on the sideline. Will Hall too from from Southern Miss. But yeah. but let me tell you, having seen Wimp Sanderson when he used to wear the full suit, <laughs> the jacket never stayed on very long anyway. And and how quickly it went off, and how many times it was thrown down was an indicator of if he was going to get teed up or how the team was really going to rally behind the coach because the refs are just doing them wrong. Yeah. That Wim Sanderson, he ended up at UALR uh, a se- uh, during a season when I was still in college and to see him on the sideline, it was like, it was like a 3d movie come to life to see that suit come out and just pop at you. It was crazy. <laughs> I know Metlin's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is some sort of uh, ancient Sunbelt bullshit that I, I I don't know anything about, but <laughs> that was big news back in the nineties. When Sanderson taking over UA Little Rock, that was a big deal. Whatever happened to Wimp? No idea. I heard way too many stories of people from his time at Alabama that that would change your opinion of him, Jeremy. I heard something about a secretary. I don't know. I don't want to dig deep into that. I've heard some things. You know, it's like one of those things you always kind of hear and you don't want to believe it. So uh, I'm just going to let that slide. So instead of sliding, we should sliding out. We should slide in to uh, uh, what do we call it now, Tibbs? Plugs, promos, parting shots. Same thing it is every week. Promos. I'm the oldest guy here and I'm having a little trouble with memory. You know, I, I need to take those pills and never remember. make it a little sharper. 
So uh, I also drink a lot of beer and that causes a lot of problems. But plugs, promos, and parting shots. Shane, I'm going to put you on right now. I want to hear a plug or a promo or a part parting shot or preferably all three. Uh, I don't know if I can do all three. Oh, okay. um, yeah, parting shot. I'll just, we'll go back to basketball. Ooh. Let's have Sunbelt, Funbelt fans really get into basketball because the league is trying to make it a big deal. They want to be great in all sports. I know it's it's a South, it's football country, and we talk a lot about football and we'll continue to talk a lot about football, but I've always been a basketball guy, so I hope you know all of our listeners are also jumping on basketball now <laughs> and, and want to hear what we have to say about that. You know what? I, I, I think that there is a huge passion in the Sun Belt for basketball. I think there's a kind of weariness because the Sun Belt has been regulated to that 16th or play-in game or 14th seed. And rarely do we, we we seem to have magic moments. And we're desperate to see that. That's why I'm so excited about JMU right now. That's why I'm so excited about Marshall and Southern Miss. I hope that we get that kind of excitement. And yeah, get, hopefully they can stay in the top 100 range and not be a 16 seed, whoever ends up winning this conference and maybe yeah. has a chance to win a tournament game and you know, build off of that as a league that wants to that wants to maximize their exposure and money and everything and basketball is just another way to do it. You know, Shane, uh, there was a time when when the Sun Belt was a two bid, multi bid league, uh, especially in the days of well, especially in the days when the Sun Belt was a a, a a basketball only conference, uh, you'd get all kinds of guys coming in from the Sun Belt. But even as recently as the early 2000s, you know, you get a Western Kentucky, a Middle Tennessee, a Louisiana, you would get different programs coming in. It just has been a while since basketball's really taken that 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 big step. And I kind of feel like it might be taking that step again. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add a plug to mine too. Look me up on Twitter. My pinned tweet is still a story from this summer. It's a series of stories talking to Keith Gill and a bunch of coaches about what they want to do to build up basketball. So now that it's basketball season and football season's over, basically, except for the bowl games, you can go back and read that. It might be a little more interesting to people like as we get into basketball season. Shane Metlin is a writer for the Daily News Record, so you know that the story that he speaks of is high quality. <laughs> All right, Tibbs, you got a lot to, to build on here. I mean, I don't know if you can measure up to that promo or parting shot. Warhawk Report. Our plug. Those boards are active and also looking forward to seeing how this athletic director search starts taking shape. Ooh. President Ron Barry said he wants to have somebody in for the first of the year, okay. but also said that the job would not close in case there was an 11th hour applicant that he thought was a better fit at the position. Wow. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of that. Yeah. Is he, is he implying something? I, 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 I don't know. Oh, okay. But my parting shot, uh-huh. the sad news today in the boxing world, Mills Lane, <laughs> yeah. no longer with us. The famous boxing referee, that infamously was there when Mike Tyson decided to take a bite out of a Vander Holyfield, no longer with us. RIP Mills Lane. You know how old that guy was? Uh, 85, I believe. 
I I never knew. I would have never looked at him and thought, oh, that guy's 85. <laughs> he looked the same like through my entire life. I know. He was like the he's like the Robert Loja of boxing referees. He's the same age from the start of his career to the end of his career. He's he's you, you can't but here's one thing I want to ask you about your earlier thing, Tibbs, is that you're talking about the message boards on the Warhawk report. Does the message boards at ULM just ever get totally off the rail? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like in what way? Like, is it like uh, politically, maybe, or or, or just about something some, something that uh, like conspiracy theories about the schools, anything like that? Do, do you have to? Do you ever feel like you have to jump in and go, "Hey, can we turn this back around?" Yeah, are you are you just lock the thread because there's a guy that didn't take his meds and you're like, all right, done. <laughs> uh, I, I like the guys too, that jump in from other programs and just like drop little grenades. Like, uh, Oh, I heard your coach was caught at a, a brothel downtown and this runs out, you know, you're like, Oh God, Oh my God, this is a new scandal. But uh, yeah, message boards are some of my favorite things to jump into. And God bless you, Tibbs. For running one of those message boards and not, you know, and still having a full head of hair. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Uh, plugs, parting shots, promos from me. Of course, read howlraiser.com. Uh, I'll be following all the bowl games that are pertinent to the Sun Belt. We got seven bowl games, guys. Seven bowl games in the Sun Belt. So that's going to be pretty. Ex- None for James Madison, though, Shane. Sorry. You, no. don't, you don't get a bowl game. You know, you had all those wins and pfft, no bowl game. That must must be must burn you a little bit. Uh, I actually, <laughs> I actually was fine with knowing when football season was going to end this year and uh, planning holidays. You're so excited about <laughs> basketball. Yeah, I, I get that. All right, yeah. welcome to my world, chain. Yeah, uh, I, that that is my prom. I don't really have a parting shot this time, uh, except for uh, please stop wearing other teams' jerseys and hats to your home games. Uh, I know that Arkansas State's done a good job with that, but every now and then I'll look into the stands of someone else and I'll see a jersey that doesn't belong. And I'm like, you're just being rude, man. You wouldn't go to your friend's house and not wear pants. It's rude not to wear pants. It's rude to wear somebody else's jersey to somebody else's house. So, So don't do that. And that's really all my plugs, parting shots, except to say I love you guys. Thanks for being on the show with me. It's been a real pleasure today. Uh, and uh, let's look forward to next week when I get. When's the first bowl game, guys, for the Sun Belt? We're fine. Next episode, full seven game bowl breakdown. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll have some basketball news, right? Unless sure. it's bad. And then we'll no. just pretend it's not uh, basketball yeah. season. That's a, probably a good idea.